listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's special. Um, early in the days, like I said before, uh, here in Calgary, I didn't think I was going to maybe, you know, maybe you know how long I was going to play in the NHL and then uh, get along for one franchise and uh, to, to tie with GU is very special. It's a special night for Flames captain Michael Backlund. Tuesday at the Scotiabank Sandaldome, he will officially tie Mark Giordano for second all-time in games played for the Calgary Flames franchise. But perhaps more importantly than that, his team has an opportunity to end a two-game losing streak as they welcome in the lowly Ottawa Senators for a game at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. It's a game day for the Calgary Flames. They welcome in the Senators and Brady Kachuk for their lone visit to Calgary this season. Just a quick one-game homestand for the Calgary Flames before they head back out on the road. They're hoping that some home cooking can get them back on track after weekend losses to the Flyers and the Chicago Blackhawks. We got all you need to know on a game day, lineups, deep pairings, a healthy scratch for the Calgary Flames uh, worth talking about. We'll also get you audio right from the Flames locker room on a game day. We'll hear from the head coach, Ryan Huska, Captain Michael Backlund, Rasmus Anderson, and Yan Kuznetsov all on a game day. We'll also take a look at the opponent, the Ottawa Senators. They're coming in on a three-game losing streak. Three and seven in their last ten. Alex Adams, who covers the Sens for the Hockey News, is going to join us for a look at the opposition tonight. Also going to be joined by our pal Jason Bukula from Sportsnet. We'll dive into yesterday's surprising trade between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Anaheim Ducks that saw Cutter Gauthier and Jamie Drysdale swapping organizations. So lots to get to on this Tuesday. Quick reminder, the fan feedback line is always open to you here on the program. If you're listening live, feel free to shoot us a text at 960-960. would love to hear from you on a Calgary Flames game day. Outstanding producer on this Tuesday is the one and only DJ Cam, Cam Hughes along with us. And yes, we got lots to get to on a Calgary Flames game day solo homestand for the Calgary Flames. Just one and done at the Scotiabank Saddle, but it's a big game. We talked on Monday's show about the disappointing end to that four-game road trip with losses in Philly and Chicago, and another team down in the standings in the Eastern Conference, the Ottawa Senators, just 14 wins on the season. They are sitting at last spot in the Atlantic with 28 points. They are 10 points behind the next team, the Buffalo Sabres. It's been a disastrous year for the Senators, who many thought were going to take an extra step forward with all of their young talent. Uh, they are right now fighting with the Ducks, Blackhawks, and 
I guess lesser down the San Jose Sharks for uh, fighting away from the bottom of the league. It's not been good for Ottawa. And the Flames uh, just took an opponent pretty lightly on Sunday who's in the same sort of boat this year in the Chicago Blackhawks. So perhaps a lesson learned Sunday will help the Flames on this game day against the Senators. It is a 7 o'clock puck drop tonight from the Scotiabank Sandal Dome. That means Flames warm up with the one and only Pat Steinberg gets going at 6 o'clock tonight. He'll get you set for the Flames and sends. Flames hockey goes at 7 p.m. tonight with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. The fan. What can I tell you about tonight's lineup? Well, lots to get to. First and foremost, Jacob Markstrom will start in goal tonight for the Calgary Flames. Dan Vladar got two of the last three for the Calgary Flames, but they'll go back to their starter. Jonas Corpusalo will start in goal for the Ottawa Senators. We will see some changes to the Flames lineup tonight. Dylan Dubé and Jordan Osterley will be healthy scratches tonight. Yan Kuznetsov recalled from the Calgary Wranglers will make his NHL debut. He'll be the fourth Flames prospect to make his NHL debut this season. So your lines and D pairings per our pal Pat Steinberg uh, from Morning Skate today look like this. Huberto stays with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. Kadri and the kids, Zary and Pospa still stay together. Manjapani with Backlund and Coleman. Greer will be with Ruzichka and Walker Dewar on the fourth line. Hannafin is with Tanev. Uyghur with Anderson. Yan Kuznetsov in his NHL debut is paired up with Nick Simone. Also, we can tell you that Kevin Rooney, after being placed on waivers yesterday, was cleared and sent to the American Hockey League's Calgary Wranglers. So he and Jacob Pelche will do to get back at practice uh, with the American Hockey League team and uh, perhaps make their way back to the NHL club uh, as they are both recovering from uh, injuries. We know Jacob was sent down yesterday. He didn't need waivers to go down, so just had to wait the extra day for Kevin to clear through. Uh, and now he has been sent to the Calgary Wranglers as well. Also mentioned it before, but Michael Backlund, a very special game for him today. He uh, plays in game 949 with the Calgary Flames. That will tie Mark Giordano for second all-time on the Calgary Flames um, games played list, trailing only that uh, of the great Jerome McGinley. So a big milestone night for Michael Backlund. Of course, the big story uh, in all of this has been the uh, healthy scratch of Dylan Dubé uh, ahead of tonight's game. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska, his address to the media following morning skate in just a few moments. But, uh, yeah, probably time to sit Dylan down. I think it's been a lesser conversation maybe because Dylan hasn't played as far up the lineup as, you know, maybe a Huberto or a Lindholm, some of the guys that we've talked about on a more consistent basis this year. but. It's been a big struggle for Dylan Dubé this season, and he was coming off a very promising year last year with the Calgary Flames that saw him put up a career-high 47 points in 82 games. He had 18 goals for the second straight season, um, was all around it in all situations type player, but this year, 39 games, 7 points, minus 11 in the plus-minus column, and averaging just 11-19 of ice time, which is the lowest he's ever averaged for time on ice uh, going back to his rookie season where he played 25 games with the Flames in 2018-2019. So clearly something not working for Dylan right now. 
doesn't look in in the same vein, almost a similar conversation what we were having with Andrew Mangiapane uh, a few weeks ago. But I think there were still more points coming for Andrew. Dylan just hasn't looked like himself. That you know, hard forechecking, using his speed effectively, um, making things happen in the offensive zone. A lot of that's been missing from Dylan's game, and um, the Flames, you know, I think would have been very key to see Dylan keen to see Dylan make a a step forward this season, maybe given some bigger opportunities, but he hasn't earned them. And as you'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska coming up in just a few moments here, um, you know, this was something that needed to be addressed and um, they've tried to give him some different opportunities. It hasn't worked. And uh, hopefully this is a reset that sees him uh, come back onto the other side of it uh, with a better perspective and perhaps uh, some better play down the stretch for the Calgary Flames. Well, let's, let's hear from the head coach, Ryan Huska, on a game day. It's a longer one. Uh, they've been on the road for a little while, so lots to catch up with uh, on with head coach Ryan Huska today when he spoke to the media. Uh, Backlund's uh, achievement of reaching 949 games with the Calgary Flames. Kuznetsov's NHL debut. Dubé's scratch. Thoughts on the road trip. Injury updates with Pelching and Rooney. A little bit of everything with the Flames head coach. Here's Ryan Huska on a game day. Flames getting set to take on the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Michael, Michael's uh, impact on the team and where you've, what you've seen out of him the past few years. Yeah. Um, you think about the amount of games that he's now played for the same organization is pretty, pretty cool. And it speaks of how he takes care of himself and um, how he approaches the day-to-day. So... It's a great milestone for him, for his family, um, and it's nice that it's kind of tied into our, our dad's trip, so I know there's a lot of people around for him, so it's it's a really cool night for him. Would it be possible for you to summarize what he means to the team and, and the organization, and maybe even the city? Um, I don't know if I can summarize it. Like, for, for our team, he's been a real good voice in our dressing room, and he's been a, a great example of how you have to play the game night in and night out. Um, in regards to the city, I think everybody knows all the different um, charities that he and his wife are involved in. He takes a real big role, and he's very proud Calgarian, um, and I think that's what makes him the type of player that you want to have around for sure because he he wants to be a Calgary Flame. He always has, and um, over the course of the summer, he decided that he wanted to stay that way. So um, he he means a tremendous amount to this, our team for sure, and to, I think, the the city in general. Any memories from Kelowna stick out? Um, Yeah, there's a few as a young guy for sure. I mean, well, I remember the hit that he took. That's one that jumps out to the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, Michael Stone ran him over, but he came back like as good as ever. But he, he was a big boost for our team. Um, when we, we had a good team that was pushing to get ourselves to the Memorial Cup, and he was the guy that put us over the edge. And how he fit in right away with his teammates uh, you know, was a pretty good indicator of the type of person that he was and was going to be. You, uh, you coached Mark Giordano as well to see Michael now move into a tie with him just having coached both guys just kind of what does that mean yeah uh, well it's neat to be around them for sure and even Jerome I know that amount of games that he's played whatever is 12 12 19 or whatever that is um, they all are very similar um, in how they take care of themselves uh, at the rink I mean to start the year Michael's top three in our testing and he is every year so he understands what he has to do to to keep himself um, 
at a high level. So every year the players get younger and they get faster and they get stronger. And when you're smart like Michael is, he knows that he, there's a standard that he has to stay to or adhere to. And he pushes himself hard to make sure he's ready to play all the time. And that's very similar to what we saw from Mark. And I'm sure that's exactly the same thing that you saw from Jerome. And I'm guessing that Michael learned a lot from Jerome when they played together here. Do you think Michael could take a run at 12-19? Uh, the way he takes care of himself, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Would you mind taking us behind the scenes, Jan Kuznetsov said you had a meeting with him this morning and said you're going in for your first one. What do you see on the other side of the desk or table when you deliver that news? Well, at first they're like, why am I in here type thing. So they have a different look in their face and then there's, you can see the excitement and, you know, if you want to pride, I guess, you know, he's he's worked hard for this opportunity he's done a good job over the last little while for the wranglers and he deserves it so it's nice to see a young man's face when you get to tell him that he's he's going to play his first game yeah he has one of those games i think that you know sometimes when you don't notice him it's a good thing like it has to be yeah. very simple so what what has stuck out to you about what you've seen in his development yeah um i i think he has a better understanding of how he has to play as a pro and maybe his first couple of years, he fought it a little bit at times, but now he really, he's starting to figure it out where I have to be a, a good checker, a good defender, I have to make a good first pass. Um, and then he has to use his size to his advantage. So those are all things over the course of the last number of years he's worked on and he's gotten better with and he's put himself in that position where he's getting his first game today. What, uh, what are you not seeing enough of from Dylan Dubé? I don't know if it's, it's not seeing enough of. Um, you know, he's just, he hasn't, been the Dylan Dubé that we know that he's capable of being over the last little bit. A lot of that falls on me and the amount of ice time he's had over the last little while. Um, but this just gives him a chance to kind of reset himself and then come back better than ever. We know there were some difficult moments with Jacob Markstrom last season, and it seems as if he's turned a corner. He's put in some really great performances. Analytically, it looks like his numbers have been great too. What's it been like from your vantage point seeing Jacob go about this year and, and, and look so confident and be so reliable for you guys? Uh, well, it's it's nice to see because we've talked before about when he's in net and he's feeling the way he is, you feel like you, you have a chance to win. And if there's the mistake that gets made on the ice, he's going to bail people out. So um, <clears throat> when you go back to the summertime, um, my first phone call with him, you knew he was going to come back a different uh, a different person. So um, we weren't really expecting anything different from him. We know that's the way he is. He's one of the better competitors we have in our dressing room. So he, he deserves a lot of the credit he's got with his play over the last little while. What in the phone call made you realize that he was going to come back a different person? He was edgy. Um, right away he got to the point and he was edgy. So, you know, oftentimes when players don't make excuses or there's sometimes there's finger pointing that goes along there is no finger pointing with him uh, and there was an edginess to him that um, when I got off the phone I'm like okay we're gonna get a different guy coming back this year for sure was the guy was just like was he taking responsibility like could you I mean not I mean could you describe it as best as you can yeah what no say? he he's he's never a guy that would ever point a finger at someone else ever and that's what makes him who he is <clears throat> speak to I guess Jacob Peltier's uh, yeah. return and, and his stint now with the Wranglers. Is there a timetable that you're looking forward to, or certain you know checks or I guess boxes that you're looking to check off before he can come back with the Flames? Boxes, yes, for sure. No timetable as of yet. I mean, he still just got cleared for contact, so that's the next phase in a practice setting that he's going to get, and then hopefully eventually in a game setting, and everything keeps progressing in the right direction for him and us. Uh, on Dubé and that fourth line, just what do you need to see more 
other than that trio, it does seem like maybe at times they have lack an identity. How do you see? Yeah, that? and that's a good that's a good word for it. Is they're they're guys that we feel should be playing in the offensive zone, using their size to their advantage. In Dylan's situation, it's his speed a lot. So. Um, at the end of the night, you want that line to be a line that's hard to play against and one that doesn't um, step on the ice and, and give up chances against or goals against. With, with Dylan specifically, like you used the term reset, how do you, how do you coach through a reset? Like what, what do you, how do you guide a guy through that process? Um, you know, a lot of it is the player. I mean, we can have our conversations with them, but it's how they approach it a lot of times. So. You can approach it one way or the other way. One way, you'll get yourself back sooner than later. The other way, it's a little bit of a struggle. So I, I don't think that's any different than any other walk of life when um, you're not where you want to be or, or we're not where we think a player can be. It's, it's, it's really the same. So a lot of it is mentality. You treat a, a game like tonight in the middle of a lot on the road, almost like another road game, or is this uh, kind of fit? Just as a, another another game on the road, almost? almost almost like a playoff game for us, where we dropped one on the road. And now we're coming home where we have to win a game. Uh, that's the way we're going to look at this one today. Take anything out of that Chicago game a couple of nights ago? No. Yeah. Pride yeah. I think it's important that we still can continue to celebrate the different groups within our community. I think it's important. Everybody's welcome here. And even though like those jerseys and all the theme night stuff have gone the wayside, um, it means a lot to a lot of people in our dressing room, a lot of our players, and it's something that we'll continue to support. Ryan Huska, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, checking in on a game day. Flames and Sens. Lots to get to with the Flames head coach uh, as the Flames are back in town for just the one game this week at home against the Ottawa Senators. Let's check in with Michael Backlund. Uh, very special night for him, tying Mark Giordano. Uh, second all-time on the Flames games played list. You heard a lot from Ryan Huska there on uh, what's made Backlund so successful. That's a guy that's known him uh, for a very long time, going back to their days in Kelowna. But let's hear from the Flames captain on what it means for him and some thoughts on tonight's game against the Senators. 949, what's the news to you? Yeah, it's special. Um, Early in the days, like I said before, uh, here in Calgary, I didn't think I was going to maybe, you know, maybe didn't know how long I was going to play in NHL. And then, uh, yeah, long for one franchise. And uh, to be tied with Gio is very special too, growing up, uh, having him as my mentor and looking up to him and sliding second right behind Jerome as well being my first captain here and uh, you know the biggest uh, you know franchise player here so uh, it's it's very special did uh, Gio send you one of those texts with the balloons or something <laughs> no nothing yet uh, yeah we'll, we'll see if he does but no, I haven't heard anything yet what does it mean knowing how long you played with Mark specifically to, to be tied with him and soon to pass Mark specifically? Yeah, it's special. Um, I always looked up to him. He was such a good captain for us and leader before he was the captain. And um, great teammate, friend. Uh, yeah, like I said, from day one, I always looked up to him. And he, uh, he put in the work. Uh, he, his, uh, his road to playing so many games in NHL and being so successful it's, uh, it's an impressive road he's, he had uh, the career um, and um, so yeah I feel special to share it tonight with him you mean a little bit more to hit this too as, uh, as the captain of the team yeah of course um, something I thought of before the season and um, the off season and when I made my decision to stay here um, to be to be the captain I mean it's uh, it's a uh, 
a dream come true. Um, not that I ever expected it being a little young kid to be captain in the show, but it's very special. So to reach this milestone being a captain is, yeah, uh, it's awesome. Mike, I know you can get so locked in on the sort of day-to-day in this league, and that's part of the job, but... How do you sort of wrap your head around the fact that long after you're done playing, your name's going to be up there in the, the franchise record books, and that's going to be there forever? Yeah, um, like you said, it's kind of hard right now and when we play all the time, and it's only, you know, it's, uh, every game is so important, and we're chasing the playoff spot, and you focus on that. And um, But I took a little bit of time yesterday to reflect a little bit, and, uh, and this morning, too, I was just like, you know, when we talked about the Fodge trip during camp when we should have it, um, you know, this is one of the trips, and we say, yeah, let's do this one. And then I had no idea at that time I was going to tie Gio tonight, and potentially next game uh, became all-time second alone. Uh, to have my dad here tonight, it's going to be very special too. Um, that's, uh, like I said, we didn't, I didn't plan that, so it feels very special that... He's coming over today, and uh, we'll be here for this this week and a little bit of next week as well. Michael, he uh, get in today? Yeah, he's he's getting in today. He's on his way. And uh, how many of those 949 games has he watched? 940, probably. <laughs> <laughs> the other nine, because he told him to go to bed. No, yeah, yeah, I tried that uh, when he when he was really when he was sick there for a period, uh, but it was, he couldn't. Uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, since he retired, he's traveled quite a bit, um, and even yeah, when he was younger too, or years before too, when he's traveled, and it wasn't as easy to stream. Maybe when I was early days in this league, he missed a few games. Michael, how important for yeah, the family legacy? If I think you said your grandpa worked at the same place for over thirty years, like like how important has it been just to do this all in the same uniform? Yeah, I know it means a lot to me. Um, it. Um, um, it's very special when I made the decision to stay here this summer. Um, you know, I, I thought of my grandpa, I thought of my dad, um, both of them working same company for such a long time, being a loyal person, and um, with them being a loyal person to their companies. And um, yeah, I just felt like that was kind of in the family, and I felt it was probably meant to be that way for me too. Uh, not that I ever expected, it, like I said, when I was younger, but now that I was here this fall, I, I definitely reflected on that and. Uh, um, same goes for my never brought that up to my my friend that passed away he played for the same uh, sports team as well his whole career and he would have played it until he if he was still alive he would have still played on that, that team too so um, just a lot of connections that way too there you go the captain Michael Backlund on a special night for him at the Scotiabank Sandalone game 949 in a Flames uniform tying former captain Mark Giordano for second on the all-time games played list in franchise history. Congratulations uh, to Michael. It's a huge accomplishment and a guy that does so much for the community here in Calgary. Him and his wife um, really have become true Calgarians. It was a big bonus to see him re-sign in Calgary this offseason and very uh, deserving of that captaincy and very cool to see him follow in the path of, of Mark Giordano and uh, Jerome McGinley. And we'll see if he does reach that. Uh, eventual milestone to top Iggy. Uh, sure would be cool with Jerome back in the organization to see Michael do something um, like that. But again, congratulations to Michael. It's a huge accomplishment, uh, no doubt. Uh, I did want to mention as well, uh, if you're interested, and I'm sure you are as a Flames fan listening to this program, I can tell you uh, a little bit later on this afternoon, GM Craig Conroy is going to join Pat Steinberg on Flames Talk this afternoon. That's at 5.30 this afternoon. 
Uh, just getting word from the man himself, Pat Steinberg, confirming that it is the the GM of the Calgary Flames. Uh, lots to get to with Craig Conroy, so he'll check in with Pat Steinberg and Flames Talk at 5.30 this afternoon on a game day. Let's quickly check the fan feedback line, 960-960. It's always open to you here on the program. Uh, our pal Justin from Olds texting in. Good day, Logan and crew. What's your prediction for tonight's game? You think the issues with games such as the Chicago loss is the fact that the Flames take these teams too lightly? My NHL 24 game predicts an 8-1 Calgary win tonight. Wouldn't it be nice? Love the show. First of all, thank you for the nice words, Justin. Appreciate that. Um, prediction for tonight, Cam's got a 3-2 Flames win. Um, I, I have a good feeling about tonight. I think that if you're, you know, the Flames, I, I don't think you were happy with that effort in Chicago. I, I don't know what exactly it is. If it's, it's playing down to teams, if it's taking teams too lightly, Chicago specifically seems to give them problems. I have no idea what exactly it is about the Blackhawks that, that frustrates this team. I, I just know that. When this Flames team, I think it's more a Flames issue than the other team. When this team doesn't bring the energy, they don't bring that 60-minute mentality, they're not able to roll four lines, they get in penalty trouble, it it dogs them. And, you know, Pat talks about this all the time, that it's kind of, you know, the symptom of being um, an inconsistent team is that that sort of effort and those things that make you successful don't show up on a night-to-night basis. That's what kind of keeps you being a, a middling or an average team, and I, I kind of agree with that sentiment. So uh, I got a good feeling tonight. It's their one home game uh, in the first couple of weeks of January before a long homestand. Big night for Backlund. Always cool when it's an all-Canadian matchup. So um, I don't know if I have a score prediction, but I think we'll have a good effort tonight uh, for sure from the Calgary Flames. That's what uh, that's what I think. Um and yeah, Jan Kuznetsov, I should mention. Uh, also, uh, going to hear from him coming up a little bit later on tonight ahead of his NHL debut. That's really cool. Fourth Flames prospect to make his NHL debut this season and the third member of the 2020 NHL uh, draft class for the Calgary Flames to make his uh, debut. He'll join Ilya Solovyov and Connor Zeri from that 2020 draft. And uh, Rory Karens, Jeremy Poirier, both with the Calgary Rangos. I know Poirier's still hurt, but those are two other guys from that 2020 draft class as well for the Calgary Flames who um, I think have potential to make an NHL debut at some point. So maybe you see as many as five guys from that 2020 draft class who could be NHLers for the Calgary Flames. That would be uh, a major haul. Uh, we know what Connor Zary's doing. Solovioff looked good in limited time, so... Get our first chance to see Yan Kuznetsov at the NHL level tonight. He'll be paired with Nick Simone Again, 6 o'clock, Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. 5.30 on Flames Talk. He's going to chat with the GM of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy. And at 7 o'clock, Flames and Sens. Flames Hockey with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will take a break, come back on the other side. A look at the opposition. The Ottawa Senators have struggled mightily this season. What is to blame and what's next for the Ottawa Senators? Three and seven in their last 10. Uh, we're going to be joined by Alex Adams, who covers the Sens for the Hockey News to chat all things Ottawa Senators. That's next when Sportsnet Today rolls on on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Rolling on on a Flames game day. It's the Flames and the Ottawa Senators. Sens only visit to Calgary this season. 
6 o'clock, Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the call right here on your home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Ottawa, disappointing season for them so far. Sitting at the bottom of the Atlantic Division coming into action on Tuesday with a 14-21 record. Not where they expected to be. And uh, the change at head coach, a new GM. Lots going on around the Ottawa Senators right now in a perfect time to take a look at the opposition as we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in Alex Adams this afternoon. Alex, the host of the Behind the Play podcast and covering the sins for the Hockey News. Alex, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. No, I appreciate the time. Um, imagine you've had plenty to to write about, plenty to talk about when it comes to this uh, Senators team this season. I, I can't imagine that many expected the new year to be uh, quite as, you know, I guess disappointing as it's been so far for the Sens. Yeah, it's probably been, you know, the Sens, haven't been good for a long time since 2017 and this might be <laughs> maybe the most disappointing season uh since they uh, made the eastern conference finals yeah just nothing's worked well obviously there's been a lot of turmoil uh look at dj smith being fired pierre dorian being i guess mutually fired uh, in a way um and then of course the shane pinto news and then just the team on the ice hasn't been good enough right they haven't they have the um, they're 29th in goals against. They have the worst team save percentage. Uh, it's just been a really, really tough year. Tim Stutzla hasn't played like he was last year when he was a 90-point guy in the NHL. And Brady Kachuk scoring, but not getting the same amount of points. And uh, the defense has been a shamble. So it's just been just a, a really a season from hell might be the, the best way to describe it. And uh, they're the fourth worst team in the league. Um, they're the worst team in the Eastern Conference, um, and the expectations for this team was to be at least, hopefully, a playoff team and at the very least a fringe playoff team. And uh, they're definitely nowhere near that, and, and the season's really just gone away from them. Uh, Jacques Martin's a veteran NHL coach. He was brought in to, to sort of help DJ Smith out. That obviously didn't get the the change that the team was looking for, so they've gone to Jacques Martin. Uh, on an interim basis. I'm curious what you've heard from from Jocks when he comes to talking about this team and sort of what he sees as the area's most needing improvement for this Senators team in his eyes. Yeah, when he took charge, he, he really stressed the amount of how he wanted this team to be a pressure team, he kept saying, meaning that he felt as though the team under DJ Smith was maybe a bit too lax and not putting a lot of pressure on the uh, on the other team. Although they've still been very poor with him uh, under the realm. They've only won three games in the first nine games with Maltain in charge. But a lot of it has been really focusing on the defensive side of the you know of their game, and and they haven't really improved under Maltain. They've still been giving up close to four goals a game with Maltain. But um, he really wants them to be more aggressive, uh, more defensively minded, and uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, bearing fruit, at least so far. Um, so that, that's really been his message, is to really focus on the details and to really focus in their own zone. And uh, it's, it's still been a mess back there. Um, and and it's, it's really unfortunate to see just because uh, it seems as though every other team in the NHL has had a, a new coach bump uh, other than the Senators, uh, which is very on brand for, for the team of, of late. Uh, it creates a bit of an issue now for new GM and president of Hockey Ops, Steve Steos. 
um, as he comes in and is going to be making the the decisions for the group going forward, I guess. Um, what have we heard from Steve? What's sort of been the messaging since he's joined the organization? I imagine, you know, he and, and Michael Anlauer are probably looking at this and probably pretty disappointed with the direction that a, a lot of the team has gone this year, as you and me had sort of talked about early on here, Alex. Yeah, I mean, the first thing Anlauer and, and Steos as well have talked about is practicing patience. Now, they may have, might have practiced a bit too much patience with DJ Smith who had fired DJ Chance for over a month. But that's really what they've tried to, to bring to this team is to, to practice patience. Now, um, there's been some reports of late that the Sens have been trying to be aggressive in trade discussions with their older players and trying to bring in more veteran players, maybe to, to bring some maturity to this team that they seem to be lacking with their young core. So that seems as though what they want to do at the deadline is to be aggressive. Now, I don't really understand why that would be the case with the team being the fourth worst. I, I think what is probably the thought is to bring some steady veterans in to, to add to the likes of a Clojure, um to, to really stabilize this team. And, and they have been, as uh, Jacques Maltain has talked about, and even Steyas to an extent, have been a fragile team. Uh, they've gone up, uh, you know, they've lost leads. They've given up goals and bunches all year. Um, and I think they just want some stability and then maybe some veteran leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably what they'll look at at the deadline. I'd also imagine the likes of Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, who's on an expiring contract, uh, might find his way to another home. So um, I'd imagine they, they probably sell off at the deadline, um, but also try to bring in some, some players that can maybe be there for the future and really try to stabilize this, this team that's been so in shambles, really, truthfully, all all season. How surprising was it to hear those reports that they were looking for some veteran leadership and some guys to sort of, you know, steer the ship, I guess, from people who watch this team like yourself, Alex? Because, I don't know, I looked at the group and I thought, okay, they've got Claude Giroux there. That's a former NHL captain. I would, you know, probably put Brady Kachuk as one of the more mature you know, captains at, at 24 years old in the NHL. Travis Hamnick's a guy we've known here in Calgary as a pretty no-nonsense yeah. guy. I'm, I'm curious how surprising it was to hear that maybe the direction the locker room and the maturity level of this group wasn't where it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, I think outside of Giroux, all of the, the players that are really impactful players on the ice are, are essentially 25 or under. You look at Batherson, Norris, Sousa, Brady, uh, Shabbat's only 26. Um, a lot of these guys are actually very young, relatively in, in, for NHL terms. So um, I was surprised. Uh, I thought uh, you'd hear more that they're going to try to just sell off assets and really just try to, you know, carry out the season. Maybe bring up some more younger players. So um, it'll be interesting to see is if they bring in veterans, are those guys on long-term deals or have a couple years on their contract just so that it's a, a more longer term play if they are aggressive rather than trying to fix the, you know, the burst of, of like the bubble that's already burst with the season and this team. Um, so uh, I think most sense fans and people don't think it's probably a good idea that the team is aggressive unless it's for a long-term solution for this team. And, and maybe that is bringing in, uh, guys for for the long term, but I don't think they should be adding players uh, that uh, really try to help the team win now because yeah. the the season's already done and uh, and they they have no real chance of at least making the playoffs. But they might be able to turn around 
and, and go into next year in a, in a better place. Uh, you mentioned it from a defensive side of things, but I guess uh, goaltending probably uh, a big worry point for this group. They brought in Jonas Corposalo in the offseason, hoping that he could be, you know, I, I guess probably at worst a 1A, 1B option with Anton Forsberg. And just looking at his numbers, getting ready to chat with you today, Alex, I mean, a 3.61 <laughs> goals against, an 889 save percentage, that's that's just not going to get it done. And again, this is year one. It, it kind of, I don't know, are they getting Matt Murray vibes in Ottawa once again with this kind of situation? Those are worrisome numbers, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at Ottawa's goaltending situation, and people in Ottawa talk about this often, and uh, goalies come here and they're good somewhere else, uh, and then they leave, or right before they come here, they're good, and then they come to Ottawa and they, they stink up the joint. And that's been the case for, for Corpus Allo, who played really well last year. Um, Forsberg hasn't been very good either. Um, the team has right now the worst save, team save percentage in the NHL. Uh, and like as, as much as the team hasn't has been underperforming, they have had no luck and, and no real consistent and, to be frank, good goaltending this season that's just made uh, it worse for the team. So, yeah, it's definitely worrisome. Um, uh, thankfully, he's not signed to a high AAV. Um, it's only $4 million a year, but there's another four years after this. So, it's definitely worrisome. Um, the Sens have some good goalie prospects that might be able to, to jump in in the next couple of years. So it's not as though there's no one after Corpusalo or in Forsberg. But for right now, yeah, the, the goaltending have been one of the uh, biggest problems. Maybe you could argue the biggest problem for this team that so far this season is that they just haven't been able to get saves really at all and, and really when it, it's mattered. Alex Adams is along with us. We're taking a look at the Flames opposition tonight. It's the Ottawa Senators. Uh, in town for their loan visit to Calgary. Uh, just a couple more for you, Alex. And you mentioned there, you know, Tarasenko is obviously, I think, the the probably easiest name to, to look at when this team starts to approach the trade deadline. But past that, I mean, it's kind of an interesting group because I guess this is probably where a lot of the worry comes in for Sens fans. A lot of these guys are locked in long-term. Like, there's not a lot of easy money coming off the books this season uh, I, I know I know Dominic Kubalik's on an expiring deal as well. Uh, Branstrom's an, an RFA who might need a raise at 24 years old. Like Steve Steos is going to have to do some some moving if he wants to move some of the pieces around, money in, money out, if they want to see somebody come into Ottawa. Correct? Yeah, no, you hit it on the nail. Outside of Tarasenko, I guess you could say Kubalik as well. They they don't have any experience. The core is in, is in place, and I think the biggest question for Steos coming up is you break up that core because, um, you know, you can look at the Leafs, and the Leafs' core keeps failing in the playoffs, but guess what? They make the playoffs all the time, right? Yeah. With this team, they haven't had any success with this core in the past, really, you could say two, three years. Um, now, they are young, but uh, this season isn't hasn't just been, oh, they, they barely missed the playoffs. They should have, but, you know, uh, this has been just dreadful, right? And it's, it's the core again. So I think in the off season, the, the real interesting point will be Jacob Chicken. He has one year left on his deal. Uh, what I've heard being around the team is that it's not a certainty that he wants to re-sign with the team. I think specifically depending on the team just not being very good. He left Arizona. They weren't good. Now they're pretty good. And now he's in Ottawa where he thought the team would be successful and it's been miserable. So yeah. 
Uh, that's going to be a really big decision is do they extend him? Do they trade him? Maybe they trade him at the deadline. Um, I would think that's unlikely just from what I've been hearing around the team. But uh, overall, um, that's probably the next domino in terms of the decision with this core. Um, I think you'd imagine Tarasenko gets traded. But Chikrin's future and maybe even Claude Giroux next season in terms of he has one year left on this contract as well. Uh, but he has roots here in Ottawa. He lives here. His wife and kids, you know, have a home here, um, and they wanted to come home. So I think that's a bit less certain. But with Chikrin, I think that's going to be really fascinating, maybe into this deadline and, and into the summer. Uh, what's been the word on, on the coaching search? Um, are they content to let uh, Jacques Martin run the bench for the remainder of the season, or um, is this a situation that they'll kind of address in the off season, or just depends on – who and when if they find their guy? From all we've heard, being around the team and, and Steos, and, and he intimated it in his press conference when he added Dave Poulin as a, as a VP uh, a week ago, is that they're going to most likely keep Maltain on for the rest of the season and then reevaluate there. Now, I wouldn't, if let's say Craig Berube, as, as you said, um, joins the you know, becomes a candidate and he wants to come to Ottawa, maybe things change. But at least for the, the present moment, it does seem as though Maltain will be the the, the coach um, till the end of the season. I don't think there's really any chance that he stays on as head coach after this year. Um, I'd imagine he stays uh, as part of the, the organization. Another interesting thing is Daniel Alfredson being an assistant coach. Does he become a coach like Maltain Saint-Louis in, uh, in Montreal? Um, or does he, you know, stay as an assistant coach? Does he go back to, to management? It'll be interesting to see what happens there as well. But uh, to answer your question, I, I, I think uh, unless something crazy changes, uh, you'll, you'll see Jack Maltain for the, the remaining, uh, the remainder of the season under uh, behind the bench for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, and before I let you go, Alex, uh, well, it might not be, uh, you know, the most exciting time for Sens hockey in Ottawa. Uh, there is a group of uh, players in Ottawa that are garnering quite a bit of uh, excitement. What's it been like with the, the PWHL coming to town and what's the uh, excitement level been around uh, the team? And I guess just the overall city having this group in town, it looks like it's been a strong start for, for most clubs around this league, the early start at least. Well, I just want to say I hope Calgary is a part of the expansion talks whenever that is uh, in, a, in a couple of years to, to get a team. But yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal. Uh, they had a they had a sellout with over eight thousand fans. The atmosphere was electric. I was talking to some of the players today at practice, and they just kept talking about how they had chills just seeing all the fans. No, you know, every seat being filled uh, to for the home opener against them the PWHL Montreal team and it's just been amazing the, the city's embraced them completely the, the arena's downtown uh, which definitely helps getting people to, to games and uh, the atmosphere was phenomenal and uh, the, the games are pretty much close to sell, sold out for the next couple which is a great sign for the league and nice. uh, it's just been an amazing experience and, and the women have really uh, uh, taken to it and um, Emily Clark who, who plays for Canada and uh, uh, it's the assistant captain on the, the Ottawa team was telling me that uh, she was at Walmart with her mom and, and people, she saw two uh, young women talking about the game and they didn't recognize her, but uh, <laughs> you can see that it's becoming part of, uh, you know, the fabric of the city, like the Fens and, and talking hockey uh, isn't just about 
the men's team, but yeah. uh, in this case, the women's team as well. That's awesome. Glad to see it uh, having such success in Ottawa and a ton of these markets. And yeah, I know a lot of people, uh, myself included, would be really happy to see uh, pro hockey back here in Calgary as part of a, a PWHL expansion. Alex, really appreciate the time, man. Uh, great insight on the Sens. Appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Talk to you soon, hey? Alex Adams joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon for a look at the opposition. Alex covers the Ottawa Senators for the Hockey News. You can find him on Twitter at Alex Adams BTP. Uh, a text came in while we were um, doing that interview with Alex, and uh, it was it said uh, we're just ripping the sins apart in this interview after losing to an AHL Blackhawks team. I'm not ripping anyone apart. The sins have been awful. This season. I mean, that's just the truth. It's not ripping anybody apart. They're having a really bad season. They're like, like Alex said, they're pretty much at this point, maybe even a month ago, determined they're not going to be in the playoff picture. Uh, they've got all these guys, Stutzlick, Chuck, Norris, uh, Sanderson's extension kicks in next year. All these guys signed up to long-term money, very little money coming off of the books. And they could be looking at a top five draft pick this season. Like it's bad in Ottawa and it has nothing to do with the flames. The flames absolutely deserved to lose Sunday against the, uh, the Blackhawks. And uh, they should put up a good effort tonight against the Sens that has, you know, the Sens team that's really struggled on the road, especially this season. But yeah, it certainly wasn't taking undue shots at them. That was just the reality of the season. That's, happened for the Senators. They've run into a lot of problems and don't have a lot of easy way out uh, for new GM and president of Hockey Ops, Steve Steos. They've got to figure some things out uh, very quickly, and who knows if it includes moving out somebody in that core. And uh, funny to hear already the conversation about, you know, Jacob Chikrin and whether or not he's going to want to stick around long-term if they don't figure things out in Ottawa. It's, uh, uh, as they say, it's a mess. Uh, in the in uh, the nation's capital, at least when it comes to the Ottawa Senators. But I appreciate Alex joining us again. Flames and Sens tonight from the Scotiabank Sound. Although seven o'clock puck drop, six o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Our pal Jason Bukula from Sportsnet is going to join us, uh, fresh off his trip uh, to Sweden for the World Junior Hockey Championships and. Uh, funny enough, one of the stars of the World Junior Hockey Championship just got traded yesterday uh, when the Ducks and Flyers hooked up for a trade that saw Alex Gauthier, uh, Cutter Gauthier, excuse me, uh, dealt to the Anaheim Ducks. So we'll have a firsthand perspective uh, on what exactly Anaheim is getting in this deal when Jason Bukula joins us next. So we got lots to talk about. Again, Flames game day against the Senators. We're getting you set. Uh, you're starting goaltenders tonight, Jacob Markstrom and Jonas Corposalo. More on the big trade between the Ducks and the Flyers next, and we'll continue getting you set for the Flames and the Senators here on your home of Flames hockey. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan.